Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to tonight's share with Coach Menachem Bernfeld, Erev Tishavov Sunday. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful Sunday in the summer. Tonight is Shear 151. And again, I start off every first thank you for everybody for posting on all the statuses and for promoting it and emailing people around. And uh, this share came by came back, came around very quick. It's supposed to be a different speaker. We got a big switch around today. Thank you, Rip Shlomi Schwartzberg. Everybody should just know Rip Shlomi Schwartzberg prepared this exactly for seven minutes. So he's ready for Hashem, but we're ready to go. They were jumping into it, Nasa Vanishma. And those are usually the Bashirim, the ones that are done really improv. This Coach Menachem is improv. So again, we're here for Sikhs Tabirim. Very deep discussion tonight. Uh, I'm here for myself to really get into a lot of deep, uh, you know, understandings of what Tisha B'Av is in the nine days. So we're really going to get into that. If anybody who's watching this, um, anybody wants to join the WhatsApp chat, please WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. That's 848-525-0066. Or you can go to menachembrownfall.com to sign up for his emails. And he could send you the speakers, the replays, and the chairman, all the good stuff that comes out of Coach Menachem. If any of the people that are watching the replay this on YouTube, please click on the like button. You can click on the subscribe button. So Menachem uploads every week a new video. You get a ding and you see all the videos. And you get to be part of our Chabura. Thank you for, again for all the advertising sponsors of Lakewood Scoop, Ellie and Ariel from Palmetown Central, and Kyla Kaufman from JCN for always promoting us on all the Jewish digital platforms. Again, for anybody who's here the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30 p.m. on this Zoom ID, we have different topics, different abundant, different therapists, and we have a lot of powerful things lined up. Can't say all of them because a lot of them are not confirmed, but a lot of big ones are coming up. I mentioned next week, July 30th, it's going to be an amazing show with the world-famous Mechanach, Rabbi Dov Grizak. We still live in Lakewood and Mutar Yisrael, and the program is going to be talking about, Shlomi, tell me if you ever heard of this concept, Chutzpah. He's going to be talking about Chutzpah, how to deal with Chutzpah in today's generation, kids that are Today, you know, we always say, maybe because we were like that, but the kids, you know, we didn't realize how bad it was, but now that we're parents, it's out of control. So we're really going to tackle that on a very mechanic uh, way. It should be a very, very powerful ship. Please let people know about it and pass it around next Sunday. Tonight, we have the schus and the honor of having, again, the world's biggest dafyoy mishir, Shlomi Schwartzberg, again with us tonight. And Shlomi, um, we obviously love you because you keep on coming back, but be very honest, I'm going to be I'll put it out there, Shlomi, was our neighbor for many years. So we have a little bit of nepotism because we like him, but he happens to be amazing. So it little works out both. So thank you for coming on. Mr. Shemmy's a big rove now in the Grand River over there in Palm's River. I hear from his constituents that uh, the Mamish love him. So big schuss to have him back on again. Tonight's share is 151. So we're going to first turn to the president and CEO of Coach Menachem Bernfeld, Erno Yechrid, to explain us what does 151 have to do with tonight's share? Here, number 151, rediscovering unity and growth amidst loss. So we all know the reason of the Chubban of the Bayesheni was because of Srinam. We hated each other for no reason. And the way to correct it is through Ahavishinam. And one of the ways to come to the, the Madrega of Ahavishinam, loving a Jew for no reason, is by doing Chesed. So we came up, the Gematria 151 is Gomlu Chesed, reciprocating kindness. And through reciprocating kindness, we can get in the mode of doing Chesed with each other and reach the level of a Havaz which could bring Shalom. 
between each other. And Bishkachal Yoyner, we have the Chashev speaker, Rav Shloime Gedalia, which you know the name Shloime, the Shoyish of the name Shloime comes from peace. And through peace, we could be Zoyche to Gedalia, Godel Koch, to make Hashem's name great. So it's our hope through the Zumshe that we should be Zoyche to the last Pasuk that we said in this past week's Aftarah, Tien B'mishpei Tipoda, V'shavel B'tzdaka, and we should be Zoyche to the Gudu Shloime Meher B'yemeinu this year, and we hope to still have a flesh to get to Shabbat. And that's a shame. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's get into it. What are we doing here tonight? What are we trying to cover? Lay it out. Okay, thank you so much. Welcome, everyone, to another Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem. Baruch Hashem. <clears throat> tonight we're doing episode number 151. And uh, the feedback emails are still coming in from last week's episodes, which was very uh, heavy with the Perlman's talking about the idea of vulnerability, whether it's a marriage or in general. And uh, a lot of loneliness came up just to understand what we feel and, and how to feel. I'm sure we'll discuss a little bit more tonight about this feelings because when it comes to Tishabov, it's just one of the things we talk about, which we'll see soon. So I want to thank you all for the feedback, whether it's positive, negative. We always love to get to see how the audience responds. And tonight we do have this first Baruch Hashem to have Rabbi Schwartzberg. And it's always a privilege to have a good friend of mine. We used to spend hours with uh, talking about many, many different ideas. And uh, here we are, Baruch Hashem, continuing in Mitzvah Hashem, talking about, talking about Tisha B'Av. Now it's uh, being honest with ourselves. How do we, how do we connect? What, what's our idea? Do we wait for Shabbos Nachmu? We wanted to, you know, we'll, we'll do what we need to do, but just let's let's be after it. You do it every year, again and again. So sometimes it becomes a little bit dull. What are we really looking for? So it's really taking an honest look of how do I feel? What's my connection? Where am I? And uh, whether it's the, today's generation, how to give it over to our kids, what are we looking for? But the idea that we have to remember that we are in Golis. And we do have to thank Hashem, Baruch Hashem, we have a very beautiful, comfortable Golis. And Hashem should help that it should always be comfortable. But we should be, we should want to get out of it from our own and not from Chazor Shalom, from negativity, what we read and what we what we see on Tisha B'Av, because at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, how connected am I to, to America? How connected am I to where I live? If I have to get up and leave, how hard would that be? And when people hear this concept, it does make us feel uncomfortable. You know, I don't wanna, why talk about it? You know, this is where we are. You know, let's hope for the best. Mashiach is going to come today and everything will be fine. But it's, you know, how, what's my connection to Golis America, wherever we are? And honestly, to understand what does Hashem want from us and what could we do here? Yes, here in the Golis, in the comfortable Golis. What are we supposed to do? What does Hashem want from us? So it boils down to becoming honest and stopping. Something that I love to talk about is be able to stop and just think, where are, what are we looking for? Where are we? 
And it, sometimes it does become a little bit uncomfortable. Like, you know, just leave me alone. I'm busy. I have what to do. Let me continue. Because when we stop, this, these questions come up. And not always do we know the answers. And we get stuck sometimes. So forget about how we give it over to our kids. But how do we give it over to that child, the inner child inside of us? So, Baruch Hashem, tonight we have this first to have Rabbi Yishwata with us, and with a lot of Siyat and Shemaya, we should be able to try to figure out what it is that we're looking for, how to connect, so that we should do the right thing and be looking for that Geulah and Mitz Hashem Shkoyach. Let's get into it. We're going to start. So, we titled tonight's share Tisha B'Av Reflections, Rediscovering Unity and Growth Amidst Loss, Longing and Connection for the Base of English in Modern Times. Very broad topic, but really talking about the nine days to Shabbat and what we want, what we're trying to get out of it, understanding it. And we really want to be honest and vulnerable tonight and really try to walk away with something so we can take home something and grow from it. Tonight, sure, we're going to do a sponsor to actually my Mechatonim's parents. Uh, is the is the art site tonight. Shandel Bracha Bas Yosef, Hashem Shabbat Aliyah, Milstein family. And I'm going to read Rabbi Shlomi Schwartzberg's bio, and then we're going to jump into it. Shlomi Schwartzberg is a rabbi of the Grand River Stiebel in Tom's River. is the magistrate of the world-renowned Daf Achaim and all Daf learning sites. He's well-known for his inspirational lectures, intimate understanding of human psyche, and crystal clarity and communication of deep ideas. His unique blend of wisdom weaves an incredible tapestry of religion, spirituality, philosophy, psychology, trending social topics, and more. He gives, he gives many popular daily shirim online, including the Daf of Antor Anytime. Rambam Toysves Daf Yomi Ba'alacha. He's currently working as a psychotherapist in private practice, and he's working hard in increasing emotional intelligence in our communities. And also, Rav Shlomi is an amazing person, and the biggest accomplishment he keeps on coming, Coach Menachem, and that's what really rocks it. So, Shlomi, again, it's just to have you here, and the floor is yours. Let's open it up. Okay, well, yeah, first of all, beautiful introductions, and it's always good to be back. Um, like you said, we're going to have a fleshig, uh, belt. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll really celebrate. And um, and the truth is, it's interesting, you know, about, you know, the attitudes you have on on such a time period of the nine days. Uh, we know, but at the same time, you know, the Swarm actually tell us that there was a Navu at the time of the Chorban. That means to say you have to be in a state of Simcha. So it's an interesting paradox, the state that we could be in right now. So we'll have an interesting conversation. And I think, Menachem, you really opened it up very well regarding the dilemma uh, that, that we're at right now. And, and the truth is, if we were doing this the right way, we really would just do it that way. We would just have a conversation uh, about the challenges, about what we're all feeling at this time. Because, yeah, everyone is going to experience this in a different way. I mean, everything in the world is experienced differently. But but I think a common denominator that everyone has for Tisha B'Av for the nine days, for the three weeks, is this, when I say everyone, meaning a large contingency or pieces of every one of us, is this uncomfortable uncomfortability that we have um, not really feeling anything during this grieving. You know, it's, it's an uh, emotional numbness that we have towards the expectation of this time period. There's so many things that we're doing and we're so um, busy with it, with all different halachas and all different shaylas you get as a rub regarding laundry and haircutting and comparing and what's this year regarding Thursday night and all the different questions that come up. Um, but the thing is, is that we just don't feel it. A lot of us don't feel it and it bothers us because, you know, what is Tisha B'Av going to look like for us? 
you know, what are we doing that whole time when we're reading Tinnis? There's all these different questions that are bothering us. Um, and I, I really think that's the conversation that we really need to have tonight. Um, what I do want to put out there is that this is not really a question unique to Tishabov. It's just that really we're forced to face it right now because of all the immediate things that it stops us from doing, from showering, from swimming, from, from freshly laundered clothing, from buying stuff. But the truth is, it's you have this, I have people that ask me regarding Shabbos. Shabbos, Nisham Yaseiru. It's like, well, about Nisham Yaseiru? When, when do they feel Nisham Yaseiru? Well, well, you know, because we've been dancing a little bit. I mean, what does that mean? I don't feel these things. And I think, I think it comes to head during the three weeks, especially summertime, and, and everyone's waiting to play volleyball and to Shabbos Nachamu. It's just like, and all these things are getting in the way. And even if it's not, it's like, okay, you know, what does it really mean to us? The truth is, the base Amikdash is the center of the earth. The way Chazal said it was made in the, it was the purpose of creation. It was there in the center. And it, in, the, in the person, it correlates to the heart. The heart is the center of the person, the center of the body. And there's a well-known phrase, Bolvavi Mishkan Evna, that the heart, in my heart, I build a Mishkan, I build that place of the base Amikdash. Evna is putting things together. Building is putting block and block, bricks and bricks and making something. And Chorban is disconnected. And I think that the conversation that um, would be important one to have tonight and, and think everyone's going to experience in, the, in a different way is that we're talking about what I find people struggling with is not so much the halacha. People could keep the halacha. It's the feeling. It's not really feeling this connection to these times. And what are feelings? If you, It's very, actually a very fascinating thing. Feelings, if you, it's hard to put your finger on it. Because what is a feeling? How do you know you're feeling sad, happy, love? How, how do you know? And I have people who ask me these types of questions. And the truth is, it's really in Kabbalah also, this nefesh ruach, neshama, ruach is where the experience of an emotion is. It's really the combination between nefesh and neshama. It's the connection between body and soul. And the heart is the middle point. That's why the heart is always the symbol of emotion. Because it is in the middle. You, when you think in the brain and you have a sensation in your body, that's a feeling. That's how I know that I'm upset, that I'm sad, that I'm feeling something. And the reason why we don't feel, and this I think might be the most important thing in the conversation that is because we're disconnected. We're not really accustomed to listening to Hashem speak to us. I don't recall if I've said it here the last times that I was here, but uh, did I, if you tell me, if you stop me if you recall, with the Kotzker, with the Seder night, Okay, whatever, but the, the, basically the Kotzker by the Seder night, he had promised his Hasidim that Elyonov is going to come. It's coming, the Rebbe, the Kotzker, the Elyonov is coming, everyone packed house, crowd was mamish, they were in the rafters, they were like hanging out the window, and everyone's coming up to Shveich HaMascha, they're all excited, it's going to be, they're going to see finally Gilil Yahu, and they open up the door, there's nothing there. The Hasidim are crestfallen. They're so hurt. They're so depressed. They can't believe it. And they're all looking at the Kutzka and he's mamish on fire. And, and after a few minutes later, the Kutzka opens his eyes and one of the big Hasidim goes over to the Rebbe and says, the Rebbe says, why is everyone so sad? He says, Rebbe, you promised Eliyahu Novi. And, and, and he wasn't there. So the Kutzka says, oi, do you think Eliyahu Novi comes through the door? He comes through your heart. Benjamin talks to you, Bilvavi Mishkan Abna. In your emotions is where you experience the Rebbeinish life. I, I, I like to think that the reason why the three weeks is hard for people is like, imagine that you're bored. Imagine you're upset. Something like a negative type of emotion. And 
you know, let's say your spouse is trying to talk to you and you're on your phone and they grab away the phone. Oh, most maddening thing. Because the last thing you want to do is feel this sadness, to feel this anger, and they grab away your phone. And then you have no choice but to face it. That's the three weeks. Because we have to face what it feels like to be a yid that's homeless. We are distracted. We're busy with stuff. We're doing, we're living, we're getting exciting. The three weeks, little by little, from Shiva Asa to Rishchaydish, Rishchaydish to Shushachab, Shushachab to Erev, to Erev Tishabab, Tishabab, it's piece by piece, taking away the phone, taking away the tablet, taking away everything. It's like, and I have no choice but to face and look how sad you are. That's of what I did. And I can't be distracted anymore. And that's what I think the halachas of the three weeks are. You know, picture a bachelor who walks into, the, he, he thinks it's like a get-together with his friends, and he walks into the wrong room, and there it's a wedding anniversary that this elderly couple has with all their kids and ain't klach and ir ain't klach. How painful that would be. But he has to see the challenge that he's facing stark in his face. That's what we all feel. We're in gullis. We're not home. We're homeless. Now, New York City has a homeless problem. We are homeless. Now, as individuals, we're happy. We're content. We have our stuff. But if you think about the contextual identity, what it means to be a yid, our purpose will be here as God's emissaries for homeless. And that's very uncomfortable. Eicha Yashwa Badad. What is Badad? Ha'ira Basiyam. You're alone. We're disconnected. We don't know what's going on by the other person. And we feel very alone. And it gets even deeper than that. The Kabbalah say, Ba'ani means the end of me is in the exile. We're lost. I don't even exist. Imposter syndrome. It's disconnect. And Gullis, says Maral, is dispersion is when we're dispersed to the four corners of the earth. The first thing you need to do for Geula, it's a very interesting thing, Rav Hirsch and Abu Draham, they talk about Hashemayin Es, it's actually two halves. The first half is in the individual, and the second half is about the community, the, the whole, the, the Jewish people. And to Kabashri for God, is to gather, to gather the whole Jewish people. That's the first bracha that we talk about, our bracha, is to gather them and to make it one. And that's the same thing internally, the same thing also. The first bracha that we do for an individual is das. Das is really connecting the brain to the body. The base amygdosh, Kabbalistically, is the neck, is the tzaber. That's why Yosef cried on the shoulders of, of, of his brother, and they were crying because of the base amygdosh that were destroyed. And that's why it says, it's as if the base amygdosh was built in this day. It's about connecting the head to the body. I want to posit, and there could be a conversation, that our neshama feels the neshama you see here on Shabbos. Our neshama feels the pain of the churban. But why don't we feel it? Because we're disconnected from our bodies. You know, there's a famous prophecy that the Navi sees the dried bones. We're the dried bones. We're we, 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 we tried out. We don't have the moisture of our neshama inside of us. And, and the Gemara and Gittin, the famous Gemara that talks about the churban, and many just learned from Dafa Yemi, and it talks about Ashri Adam Afachi Tamar. It says, If your heart is hard, 
you fall into the only evil because you're not feeling. You're dead. You're not connected to your own soul. And let me finish with one point. The first step is to cry. The Gemara tells us, Hashem says, because they cried by the night of Tishabab with the Miraglam by the spies, Hashem says, Hashem doesn't, he's not like an like a upset Tati says, oh, I'm going to give you something to cry about. No, you need to cry. You need to feel pain. You have pain. And maybe we'll discuss this tonight about that, about acknowledging your pain. Cry. That's the tikkun. The remedy is to cry, to feel that. Now, many have not and cannot cry. The first job is to cry. And then we need to make sure that we align what our tears are really about, not the decoy. Because the problem was, you cried tears in vain. That's not really what the crying can be or should be about. The, the curse of Badad is also the tikkun. Badad means spend time with yourself. On Tishabav, an Arab Tishabav, if you don't make a zimun, there's no schmoozing, there's no greeting another person. Because if you want to have dveikim in the Rabbi Nishalaylam, says the Balshantam, you have to exist first if you want to connect. If you want to connect with other people to have achters, it has to be a kamaifa, it has to be a you first. And that's the Olam Hafiq Ruisi that I see many times. People don't realize how all the healing we need to do out in the world, in the macro, bringing the world together to create healing, has to happen inside the person first. And the reason why you're not feeling Tishma very possibly is because you're disconnected from your own self, from your own neshama, from Hashem speaking to you inside of yourself. You don't hear Him because you're not connected to your own neshama. And I think that's the conversation we could have tonight about that disconnect, about how we don't feel. Beautiful opening. Okay, we have a lot of questions, a lot of things to cover tonight. I'm going to first start with the polls. So let me take a little break. Okay, Menachem, tell me if you could see it. Menachem, see the polls? Okay, here we go. Three-question poll. Everybody answer to the best of your ability, and then we'll take it from there. Okay, first question. What's your relationship with these days of mornings in Tishabov? What's your What's your relationship? I follow the of the, to the best of my ability. Option A. Option B, I'm trying to understand it, but really, but can't really grasp it. Or C, I'm disconnected from it all. Question number two. How do we find opportunities for personal growth during the period of Tishabov? A, engaging in self-reflection and introspection. Number two, to read the story of Tishabov and get inspiration from the historical resilience and growth after the after the loss. Or C, allowing ourselves to grieve fully before, before focusing on growth in all areas in our life. So how do we take those opportunities for personal growth? Third question, how do we try to connect to Tishabov and feel the loss as if it really means something to you? So option A, I read and watch about the Holocaust. B, I say the kiddos on Tishabov with translation. Or C, I listen to speeches and programs all day, which happens to be Coach Menachem put together a beautiful program. He's going to send out Mitzvah Shem, five speakers. But 
That could be one of the answers. See, don't answer C because of that. Okay, let's answer those three questions, then we'll jump into it. Five, four, three, two. Okay, here we go. We're going to share the results. First question: What's your relationship with with these days of mourning and tishavos? So, seventy six people, seventy six percent of people say they follow Allah is the best of their ability. That's their connection. That's the relationship with these days of tishavos. Sixty percent say I'm trying to understand it, but I really can't grasp it. And 8%, I'm disconnected from it all. Shlomo, want to say something on this? Yeah, I think number three, I think the third option has a lot more answers that we're not. Uh... No, but yeah, the halachas is definitely something that uh, I think most people, I would, I would, I would agree with that. That, that that's, that's very busy with halachas, part of it. And that's part of what we're discussing. Yeah. Number two, how do we find opportunities for personal growth during the period of Tishbev? 50% of people say engaging in self-reflection and introspection. 34% of people, they try to read the story to Shabbat and get inspiration for historical resilience and growth afterwards. And 16% allowing ourselves to grieve fully before focusing on the growth in all areas of our life, which means not just the Horban, just focusing on pain and suffering. Third question. Some, some people text me, they want to give two answers to the polls. I know, I know there's such good answers, but you got to just choose one, I'm sorry. Number three, how do you try to connect to Shabbat and feel the loss if re, as if it really means something to you? Very interesting. Look at this result over here. 7% yeah. I read and watch about the Holocaust. 20% I say Kinnis on Tisha B'Av with translation. Menachem, 73% of people listen to your program. Now, listen to speeches and programs all day. So, Shlom, it seems like Tisha B'Av, you know, what's it called? The people are gold, Charlie Harari, and all these people. That's that's where people are getting their chizik um, from, trying to connect to Tisha B'Av. What's your, what's your opinion on this? You don't want to hear my opinion on <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I think you're right. I lost lost his voice. I can't hear him. One second. For me, I can't hear Shlomi. Menachem, you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Oh, one second. Hold on. I can't hear anything. You hear me? Yeah, now I hear you. Yeah, Menachem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, I agree. I think this is what most people do, and I think and I think it's a beautiful thing that people do that. Um, and and it's a it's a sign of growth uh, that people want to um, listen to things to inspire them. But but I'll throw it back at you. What 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 do you think I would say to this question? What to do all day? Let me ask you a question. When you're listening, you're getting inspired. Who's doing the work? Speaker. Speaker. You're playing a very passive role, you're being fed inspiration. How long does that last? At least for the day. Right. It gets you through to the night when you have the great meal coming up, the Nachmo coming up, and all the celebrations. Well, that's what most people are looking for. I mean, they try their best. And uh, that's easy. They don't want to do something hard. They're fasting. What would you recommend? <laughs> to learn the sugya, kamsa bar kamsa. 
No. That's also that's also even if it's not passive, but it's also could be. And I don't want to say it because I said it a few times I got flack. Could be distraction. <laughs> could be distraction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting in the mood already. You're sitting on the floor yet? You're feeling it? You're saying spend time with yourself. Teach us. Teach us how. So really, really, we should just sit. You know, we've said over so many times the study that the Falk was like saying over. And it's incredible. Every time I think about it, it brings it brings it's ironically, it brings the uh you know, they 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 put the people in the room and there was nothing to do there but an electric shock and in, incredible amount, like 70%, whatever the numbers were, the majority decided to get an electric shock than to just sit there. What does that say about us? We just can't sit. And that's part of the floor bin. Am I, am I too much here? Am I, am I getting too heavy and too fast? No, so let's, let's discuss it. So we need stimulation. The question is why? When you say we need it, we want it or we need it? Well, you see, you see those people couldn't sit in the room, quiet, and they rather get the electric shock. So little kids also can't sit in their seats. But then they do in primary and first grade and second grade and third grade, all the way through college, right? They sit. They couldn't. Now they could. What changed? No option. Could be no option. But then you have certain kids that even have no option, they can't in the seat, they get kicked out of class. So what changes for most of the kids? Hey, Shlem, are you ready to go to some live questions? <laughs> you can't sit with it. Okay, let's go. Okay. We lost. We lost. We lost. We lost. First live, come back I, 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 have I have all the, you know, ADHD plus, plus, plus. Okay. First live question, you're on. Okay. I have two questions. Actually, your third question just came up. Okay. First, you said that Hashem speaks through us, through our feelings. So when I'm feeling sad, what is Hashem telling me? When I'm feeling um, I'm happy, what is Hashem telling me? What does that mean? Yeah. So good question. So the emotion is the sum total of your whole self. You are living the life Hashem made for you. Hashem doesn't talk to us straight and tell us we had an Aviyam at one point. Mr. Hashem, we're going to have it back very, very shortly. But the way God speaks to us is he gives us our life. And that is him speaking to us. So what does it mean? How is it speaking to us through my heart? Because your emotional experience is when you are totally awake to what's happening in your life. Emotionally intelligent means to say that you are observing and you're present in your whole life. So Hashem is talking to you through your heart. He's telling you 
Because you're living your life. When you live your life, that's your chelik mount. You have you have a soul and you have a mission, and God puts you in that place. When you feel your feelings, that means to say your body and soul are connected, and you're experiencing that in the world that happens, right? Because there's an interface. There's you and the world. When you experience the world, then you're living the life Hashem gave you. When did you experience the world? When your soul and your body together are living. Because you have some people that are just physical and their soul is not there. And then if you're like that, you're not really experiencing your life. Because the neshama is the purpose to come down over here, not your body. Because then you could just be a behemoth. You could be an animal. Hashem wants your soul to do a certain job over here. When your whole being, what, what Ramchal calls, the whole person, comes and experiences the world, that's God speaking to you. Now, I call it God speaking. It's really a pasik we say in L'Dabr Hashem. I think I've said this here in the past. To you, my heart says, David says to Hashem, to you, my heart says, seek my face. What does that mean? To you, my heart says? It sounds like God is speaking from our heart. And the truth is, he is. Because when we feel things, we're experiencing, I'll give an example. Let's say right now, we're talking and I'm feeling a certain emotion. That means to say I'm totally experiencing this program. If I was not feeling, I'm disconnected. And that means to say the whole me is not showing up. And the tachlis ha'adam is for the whole me to show up and experience my life. No, that might have sounded very deep. I don't know if that was too deep. Did I answer your question? Well, that, uh, so let's, let's summarize. You're saying Hashem wants a person to live to be in the present moment and to live his life and not be disconnected. So when does a person live his life? When he's present in the present moment. And that's feeling. Where am I now? What do I feel now? But let's take it to the next step. When somebody feels sad, what would Hashem tell her then? Loss. Khurban. That's exactly what Hashem wants you to feel. Right? When you have something that you lost, Hashem wants you to have that loss. Right? When someone dies, take a, take a very basic example. Right, It's appropriate to feel the sadness. And Hashem wants you to feel the sadness. Right, so we can get into the philosophical, metaphysical question. Why does he want you to? But that's God speaking to you. He says, I want you to experience the loss. If you're not, then you're missing the point. God's wasting his words on you. You're not feeling it. You're not experiencing it. The whole you. Question is when a person is not aware why he feels sad or why they feel what they yeah, feel. Yeah, exactly. My feelings just come and go like the weather and it's not based on anything. So, I mean, so not that this, I know of. Right, exactly. I like that last addendum. That was a good one. Because feelings don't just come and go like the weather. They could, but it's not because of the weather. It's not unpredictable. It's actually our experiences. We just might not be connecting the dots. And the objective is to know where it's coming from, because yes, there could be different emotions from different places. And it's important for us to identify that because those are the messages that Hashem is telling us. Now, like anything in life, there's not black or white, there's healthy and unhealthy parts of ourselves. And that's what Ramchal says, You have to do bayru. But essentially, in the world, there's the message that I'm feeling in my heart, God talking to me about my experiences. Now, it's Hashem, and then there's also what I bring to the table. But to, 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 to keep it simple, 
Those emotions are important to identify why are you feeling those emotions? That's your whole self experiencing something. That's if a person is feeling their true emotions. The reason I say true emotions because sometimes people could be feeling things that are not really their own emotions. It could be um, interject. It could be taking on other people's emotions. It, there's complexities to this, but in a simplistic way, an emotion is the experience. I mean, it's a basic in, in every modality of thought, whether Yiddishkeit, psychology, or Buddhism, everything. It's basically your brain thinks and your body has a sensation. It's not rocket science. And that's what an emotion is. And that's the person being fully connected. That's the objective of life, to become who you need to be. And that is living your life. That's God speaking to you when you have your emotions. When I have my emotions, when I want to figure out what the emotion is, where it's coming from, like I need to like take a pause. And sometimes it could take me a half hour or more to figure out what is going on and why I'm feeling this. So that so that's in the beginning, um, and also if a person figures out, there's usually themes. You know, we we have uh, personality types, and if we figure out our theme, it's not so difficult. Like I I generally know my reactions to situations because I know my personality type, and I know myself. I studied myself enough that I know generally what I'm going to have, which fears I'm going to have, which emotions I'm going to have, what's going to be my basic reactions, because I understand already myself. So if you figure out the klal, you won't spend so much time on the prat. The klal, ramchal, is very big in machshab, is that you want to get the general ideas and then you don't have to spend so much time on the specifics because you know the big picture. And then all the pieces will be figured out much easier. Very good, Okay, let's go to the next live question. It was a good question, very deep, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So we're going to jump to you. Hi. Um, I was wondering. In my community, we study like the base base because uh, you know to maybe help instill a certain you know feeling of mis you know of loss. My problem, I just find it hard to reconcile it with the modern world, where it's not just all the problems in the world, but assuming, you know, God willing, the, you know, the, the, um, the base of Mingdash comes back, it's restored. I mean, you have, you know, Machlokas, even among the Orthodox, you know, who, who's going to decide you've got vegans who resent the idea of, of a whole slaughterhouse, you know, I mean, it, you know, I've, but I can't help thinking, you know, so I don't know how this would even be reconciled. It seems so ancient and remote. Um, it's not, I mean, it's not boring. It's just, it's so ancient or remote. At the same time, ironically, Yom Kippur, we also, you know, we, we read about the sacrifices and everything. Yet that seems more personal to me. I don't feel like that is, you know... Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't. Maybe that's more of a uh, you know time. To me, that's more the time of reflection. Uh, but I, I just don't know how how I can like get rid of this feeling. Uh, it also ends a little bit happily on Kipper. I mean, you know, whereas you know, obviously Tishba kind of lingers. But there's this feeling like um, the modern world right now is just you know, and, and, and especially what's going on right now in Israel. I think they're coming to a head. 
And it's hard for me to really keep up either my morale or just a sense of connection that there's going to be a base of Mikdash and things will just be happy, you know, be a certain state of mind. Um, I should add, by the way, Av is depressing enough for me as it is because I already have I have three yard sites and you know, family members. So so but but as far as a communal level, it, it just seems like such an it, it seems to be such an incongruence between you know the modern world, uh, you know, and you know what's going on and wanting this, you know, these this ancient edifice, you know, you know, with all the activity. I, I, you know, it, it does something to my kavana in a certain way. I don't know. How, are, are you able, how, do you know how to reconcile that feeling? Yeah, so first of all, you brought up a lot of good points. If it was a neshamas should have an aliyah. Yeah. Um, and, you okay. know, there's a classic question people ask, yeah. say, why do we learn, you know, in, yeah. in yeshiva, yeah. the boys, they learn Baba Kama. They learn about Shar Shinogach at some point. They talk about an ox goring a cow. I mean, come on, when was the last time you saw an ox goring a cow? I actually, they're in, where do they have it? They just had the running of the bulls recently, right? You know, but generally, you don't usually see an ox goring a cow. Why do we learn about that? So, what's a very important principle is that there's nothing new since creation. Modernity is just um, an updated version of what always was the same human being. Mm-hmm. Just in a 2.0, 3.0, we have the same tests. They have the same um, human flaws and frailties and nobility that has always been there. So when we learn about an ox growing a cow, the same thing happens when two cars collide and they want to know who is responsible and who's going to get the insurance money. All these have been discussed by the medieval commentators thousands of years ago, and they never saw a car, let alone a test. But yes, they still speak about artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about a base of Nikdash, we're not just talking about an edifice. We're talking about a concept. And really, that's what all of time is. It's fascinating. When you learn Chumash, you could have a kid that's five years old learning, and you could have a, a great sage who's 97 learning it, and they're both learning it. The same Torah, but on way different levels and layers. And I think you're really touching on something very important now. Like in your community, they were, told, they were learning about the base of Migdash. And a lot of people do, my son is in camp learning now, they learn about Mesefthus Midas and they learn about the measurements and what was there and the different dimensions and the Karbanas. Base of Migdash, in one word, was home. Tati was home. We call this month Av. Av means father. When I talk about Tati, my heart gets stirred a little bit because I think about my father. My father is not home. My father passed away over five years ago. And I don't have a home to go to. And I actually just thought about it the other day. I was really sad. I was thinking about him. I was like, I wish I could call my father, tell my father something, but he's not home. And that's the concept of the base of Migdash. You know, Tishbot is a very, very difficult, challenging, um, paradoxical day. You know, we, 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 you listen to speeches, you can get such a different mix of speeches because there's so many different ideas with Avedlis and Kindness and Korban and Binyan and Mitzapa and Achake and Nechama and Mashiach and, 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 and the Romans and the first base of the second base of Migdash. There's so many different ideas, but there's one word that says it all, home our homeland, our home, 
we are not home. And the base of Mikdash was one big home. You know, when you have a big family, you know, 12 kids and they come home, it's a party. Everyone comes back. This one's coming from Arizona. This one's coming from Israel. This one's coming from London. They come home. Wah! Everyone, this one big thing. And it's exciting to be back with Tati and Mommy and Abba and Ima. That's the base of Mikdash. That's what we want. We want to be back home. Okay, let's go to the next live question. You're on. Hi, Rabbi Schwarzberg. So thank you for taking my question. I'm really going back to the third poll on what we discussed. You know, people listen to speeches the whole day. And uh, to be honest, you know, when the whole thing came out, different platforms of Shurin, I myself thought the same thing. I felt like it was a cop out, a way to distract myself, even though I still never really felt the pain of the base of Mikdash, but I never really went to listen to them. Eventually though, you know, out of, it comes when you keep on going through Tisha B'Av again, things get a little boring. I felt it's better to do that than nothing. So my question really is, it's a little bit of a challenge on the concept you said. The concept you said is obviously MS, but like anything else in life, you know, is it possible to say maybe the, the avoida of feeling the pain was for the generation before, and today's avoida, this is the way Hashem took it forward, that we should listen to Shurim the whole day. Like, is it necessary, like, we have to also feel the pain so that Beis HaMesh get, get built again? Maybe, maybe it's like and everything else, you know, the Torah, the quality of the Torah 100 years ago was whatever, but and today we have the Milo that we could spread Torah on so many platforms and have this amazing show, and maybe that's what Ratzon Hashem is. So, Essentially, I know your idea is right, but is it not possible to say, like, maybe that is what we should just be doing today? Well, so first of all, thank you for the question. It's a great question. And yeah, of course, when we say these ideas, they're not absolute ideas. And the truth is, the the plethora of these platforms have done an incredible amount for Yiddishkeit and for people and for individuals. And the truth is, if we didn't have this, likely people would be doing other things. So the fact that people answer that, and I, I think and I alluded to it when I was saying um, my comment was really, um, it really says a great deal about us as a people. And it shows that, you know, how we're looking for inspiration and we really want to tap into the day. Now, regarding the question about maybe it was the previous generation that could feel the pain and not ours, I have a question back. I want you to imagine a couple, you know, the husband's very busy and the wife's very busy as most people are to some extent with one thing or another. And finally, they, they find time to go on vacation. And they're on vacation, and there's so many things that they're doing. Jet skiing, and they're going to a show, and they're eating out, and they're meeting up with friends. And then, the husband sees that the wife is a little bit sad, a little bit down. And he's like, what's up? What's going on? Aren't we, aren't we having a great time, amazing time? She's like, it's the same thing. He's like, well, same what? What do you mean same thing? It's like, it's, it's the same thing. It's like, what do you mean same thing? We're on vacation. We, we flew out of here. We, we took off uh, uh, four days to go and, and, and enjoy ourselves. It's like, I wanted to spend time with you. We're doing all these things. It, it's exciting and it's fun, but I want to connect with you. You're my lover. 
You're the one that I love. We're not connecting. We're just doing stuff together. So my question is, if, if on Tisha B'Av, we're busy listening to inspiration, a good story, a good idea, a good thought, something that hits the spot, makes us feel certain emotions. But we don't feel our own lives, how it's affected from the Chorban, whether it be on the macro as a people or in the micro as an individual, what I am missing, my own individual Chorban of my beloved Mishkan Evna, is that not the same as Hashem saying it's the same thing? You just, again, you're, you're busy with something else. Just, just disconnected. Yeah, I agree. I, I will be honest with you because for me, it's more of like I have this tendency, I just don't like connecting to sad things, sad news. I, I just like this taste. Anyway, even regular news industry, I don't have that anymore you know after a while and this is where i go i don't know i'm not speaking for anyone else but i agree with you yes i have to be more that is than us it reminds me of a, of a kid once from many years ago i was working with this kid i was doing a feelings journal and um a feelings journal you write down all the different feelings and you know there's a whole pie in the chart and we had done certain feelings negative feelings sadness and fear and one day he's like, I want to rip them out. I said, you want to rip it out? Why do you want to rip it out? It's like, I don't want to, I don't have these feelings. I want to rip it out. Now, what would you say? Makes sense. Why, why should I have to have these emotions? Let me just rip it out. It's a good question. It's like, why should I want to feel the sadness? Why should I want to acknowledge that the sadness? So... <laughs> I, 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 I was giving a Pirkei Avashir uh, recently, and a, after the shir, it was about the Mishnah, this world is just a vestibule, it's just passing by, the next world is the real place. And I was saying it was a letter from the stipler that he talks about, this world is full of difficulties, it's really Kahelis, challenges and, and difficulties and, and, and illnesses and, and, and struggles and, 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 and envy and there's so many different things. And therefore, the lesson is that, yeah, it's not for here, it's really for the next world. And then someone comes over to me after, he's like, you know, I really didn't like what you said. I really didn't like what you said, well, tell me what, what didn't you like? So he says, by us, we don't, we don't live the world the way you described it. God is good. He does good. It's a beautiful place. I don't, I don't agree to what you're saying. So I answered this question, and obviously, that is the way a person is supposed to live. That the world is a gun. It is a garden. It is a beautiful place. And I was explaining to him that there was a, about the subjective of the physical world. But I told him afterwards, I want you to know something. There's something called toxic positivity. It's a real um, you know, hashtag these days about toxic positivity. What's toxic positivity? It's people that everything is great. Everything is good. Now, things could be great. Everything has a fine line. I want you to understand. Everything has a good and a bad and the healthy and the healthy, but I'm talking about a certain type. That means to say that we, I said, you suppress your negativity. So you make everything's great. You have to acknowledge your dark side, your shadow work. You have to acknowledge it because you realize you're not really living your entire life and you end up suppressing 
a part of who you are. And I, 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 I laugh because it's a little bit of a, of a humbling vignette I'm about to say, but I was walking with my wife one morning and I was telling her about um, certain investments that you know we we could have held on to, and about certain interpersonal situations, and you know how like you know it was it was challenging, and in the same breath, I said, "Well, the the says you're not going to make a penny more, you're not going to make a penny less." And I started smiling to myself. Why did I smile? Because there's a famous Hasidic word that. That every single person has inside himself the four sons. We have all these things inside of ourselves. And in me, there's a kaitha There's a part of me that says, oh, if only I wouldn't have sold the president. I could have made who knows, right? And all these different things. That's the Russia inside of a person. But there's also the chacham inside that says, you know, here tzadikul. Let me let me explain to you something. There's nothing that you're going to do that's going to change God's divine plan. You get to choose your choice. What's going to happen is going to happen. And it was important to understand that I have those two parts. I have the Russian part and I have the Chacham part too. So the toxic positivity that we don't want to experience our sadness is not allowing us to really experience ourselves. It's like going to Lavaya and not feeling anything that this person passed away because I don't want to feel sadness. But there's something in your life that just altered. There's an experience that's supposed to develop in your consciousness. This is here for a reason. It's supposed to do something for you, to you. What? To feel what you're supposed to be feeling. Thank you so much. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more, obviously. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly, monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance. Okay, next live question. You're on. Might be the nine days. It's heavy. Hi. Um, so I'm the type who I want to just lay on the floor and kick and scream and cry all day and night because of all the pain that's going on. Um, I always have the same question coming up for me. And I find myself, I know you're not Hashem, but <laughs> this is my question. Like Hashem, can you really handle all this pain? I mean, I for sure can, but how do you handle it? And you can fix it and you can, you can stop it. Why why are you letting it happen? And I feel so bad always when I feel this question because I want to be a good Jew and and this is really up person. It's like why why am I asking this question? You know, everything Hashem does is good and it's all for our growth, but it's really not doable, in my opinion. Can you say a little bit more? Not about specifics. Can you develop the question a little bit more? Because it's a very powerful question. It's just all the pain in the world that I see around me and that I feel myself is, it's just so, so, so painful. What do you do with the feelings? Okay, so, so yeah, so that, it's a loaded question. 
Um, and obviously, like you said, yeah, I'm not Hashem, and not even the Shluch of the Rahmanah. Um, and obviously, there's no answers for that question. Um, but I guess I, I would say something about pain in general. I think there's a big difference between how we respond to pain. You know, if you think of it in a global way, when there's, when there's anti-Semitism or tragedies that strike uh, the world or a community, there's two basic ways that the world responds. One is to protest or, you know, just give in to the, to the madness that's in the world. But that's not doing anything constructive. And then there's another approach to add more light to the world. When there's more darkness, your candle illuminates that much more. And I think I've probably said this here in the past that there's a reason why you're here. And when I say Maidaani, I say Maidaani different than everyone else in the world. Although some people already tell me they say it the way I say it, so I can't say that anymore. But I say Maidaani, not Maidaani Lefanecha. I give a comma. I say Maida, thanks. Ani Lefanecha. I am in front of you. I, me, Shlemy Schwarzberg? Yeah, 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 you. Get up. Get up. What for? Well, I recreated you today. I want you to be here. Me? What for? You know how many mistakes I made? You know how in, you know how dispensable I am? Yeah, yeah, but I need you. There's something, there's a light inside of you that I need for this world. And if we look at ourselves as lights and the world is darkness, then we're here for a reason. And we could illuminate that darkness. So th that's if the world is pain. I wasn't sure if your question was personal pain or the world's pain. If it's the world's pain, then that's an answer. It's everything. Well, my world's pain is my pain. My pain is the world's pain. Well, brothers, right? Right. So if it's the world's pain, so then we can, we're there to help. We're there to illuminate. We're there to pick people up. And there's so much we can do. And the ones who feel the pain are the ones who recognize what could be done. This is what Aranayach said in the beginning. The Gematria, so 151. If we can keep the cycle of kindness going, not in the social media type of way of kindness going. I mean, that's strange. Talk about real. So actually, when you are looking at another person with the toivayim, who you voyeruch, that creates blessing in the world. And people need you to look at them with those eyes. And that creates healing. Some people are really not capable of doing that. When you say they're not capable of doing that, what's that? Doing, being like doing chesed. Because their, their pain is, they don't even, they don't even know that, like what to do with their own pain. And it's so deep. They, there's no way they can help someone else. For some reason, a vignette of Zachary Wallstein is coming up in my mind, and he he was once. I, 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 I'm if, sorry if I don't recall the exact details, but he, he was once speaking with a girl who was thinking about ending her life, and he said, "No, no, there's something. There's a reason why you're here." She's like, "There's no reason why I'm here. 
I'm in so much pain. I have nothing to offer to the world. And he says, yes, you do. She said, no, there's not. And he said, I'll tell you what it is. He says, what? He says, if there's a boy crossing the street and the bus is about to come and hit him, I might hesitate. You won't. Because you don't mind ending your life. And you're going to be the one to save that kid. Again, only represents the Rabbi Wallstein, so friend of can say such a thing like that. But there's no person that cannot do something. You just need to be able to have the wisdom to figure it out. Shlemi, some people are overwhelmed when you talk about the pain of the world. Some people take that whole pain and they, they feel they have to do something about the pain of the world. And that's what you're trying, you're trying to say that what you can do is you might not be able to change the world. You might not be able to change the situation and what's going on. But you in your, where you are in your room with the people around you, one person at a time, you can be the light. You can be the change. But if you're walking around thinking, how can I change the whole situation with the whole world? And it's overwhelming and you can't get out of bed. I want to know why Hashem isn't changing the whole Hashem could. Right. So that's the that's the famous question we have, Tadik, uh, Tadik Viraloi. You know, we don't understand exactly what Hashem's ways are. But now what do I do with it? What do we do? The Kutzka famously said that if I would understand God, then I would be him, I wouldn't need him then. So the answer really is just blindly follow and just don't ask questions. Depends what you mean by that. It's not about not asking questions. It's about being you. It's about living your life. See, we, do, we underestimate our infinitesimal value. And I think that's what causes us more pain than, than what's happening. You know, even about the pain of the world, God, like you said about God's pain, God says, in the hiddenness, my soul cries, says God. But on the outside, he has a smile on his face. And that's how we're supposed to be in the world too. Yes, there's a lot of pain that we encounter. But the world is a beautiful place. Can't forget that. As much as there's pain, the world is a beautiful place. And that's what we're here for. We're here to shine our light on the world. And when we see people come together, we see how much beauty there is and how much grace this world has. And that's our job over here is to shine our light. When you say blindly and not ask any questions, it connotes the idea that you have to suppress. The words are very, um, they entertain the idea about, you know, don't think. It's the furthest thing from the, from the truth. David HaMelech can tell him, screams at Hashem. Hashem wants you to ask the questions. He wants you to talk. But every part of you should be talking. These words that people use, they make it sound like to just hang your head low and just go into bed. No, get up and live your life. Don't be afraid. There's nothing to fear. The only thing to fear is God. Nothing else. Well, I'm in. We're going very deep tonight. Yeah, it's you very expect heavy. It to go so deep? <laughs> no, it's very heavy. Okay, if we're getting, we're getting, we're just getting warmed up though. Okay. Um, let's go to the next live question. Okay, you're on. Thank you so much. Um, your words are very powerful tonight. I'm really, they're very deep, and uh, it's really, it's going in. 
Um, I I very much feel the pain and the loss of the Horban. Um, I'm a mother. I have I have kids under the age of ten, and I want to know how to give it over to them in a way that's age appropriate. I want to sit on the floor in Tisha B'av and, you know, without videos, without books, and and talk, you know, and feel. How do I how do I give it over to them? That's a great question. Um, so first of all, thank you for those kind words. Um, you know, there's something very unique about children. I, I love children. And um, besides when they're misbehaving, no. But I, I really love children. And children- Okay, but tune in next week for chutzpah. <laughs> That's Make sure my kids tune in. Um, so children are very connected to their neshama. And when they, you know, one of the things in Chinuch, Bechlal, that's the most important, me and Menachem, we've spoke, we spoke about this a lot. I think we referenced on the previous show also. Um, my big belief is, I, I think it's one of the Belzer Rebbes who says, says in the positive, you should teach your children. The word Oisem says without a vav, which reads as Atem. Says the Belzer Rebbe, you want to teach as Benechem, it has to be Atem. You have to be you. We teach through example by modeling more than actually the words that we actually say. When the kids observe you, they watch you, they will be taking so much more than any lesson. I mean, there's many phrasing quotes, you know, like do as I say, not as I do. I mean, we know the thing, but the point is, is that if they watch you experiencing the Horbin, that I believe is the biggest lesson to give them. Now, at the same time, you have to keep them busy. So I, I understand. So there has to be another piece. The truth is with kids, they're very, very easy in the sense of when you just discuss with them the stories, they're very innocent. Um, and I'm only to hear other different ideas. I'm just saying in a very simplistic way, I really think that they, even though we don't see their reactions, it's planting seeds inside of them. And when we go through the stories and we talk about difficulties or tragedies, we know Tisha B'Av is a day when we talk about, I know my grandparents are Holocaust survivors and we talk about these things. I know my kids uh, definitely, um, it's a big thing for them if and when I speak about that, about the Holocaust, about what happened and where they were. And obviously, like you're saying, it has to be age appropriate. Um, but I, but, I, but I, I think that they have the ability to feel it. And I remember once hearing about in a camp that they were in the first half of camp, they were building a model based on Migdash. And they were so excited because they had to get the drapes and they had to get the beams and they had to go ahead and uh, make the different partitions. And it was so exciting for them. And the big unveiling was supposed to be the next day in camp. And then late at night, the night before, there was a fire, electrical fire that caught on and burnt down that model of the base Amigdash. And everyone was sitting there and they were crying, they were crying because they worked so hard on this. And the head counselor gets on the megaphone, he says, Kindalach, now you feel just a little bit of what it means, the loss of our base Amigdash. We just need to make it in a way that they could actually taste it and feel it. So it could be either about something about a story or of the base of Mikdash or some loss of some the Holocaust, if you have grandparents that are Holocaust survivors. But I think it's a combination of those things. And again, what I'm telling you is not easy. 
if I was giving a different talk, I would say, don't get stressed out about this, but you're asking the questions. So I'm saying most people will be busy with a headache on the fast, trying to keep the kids occupied, giving them ices and trying to give them different activities to do. And in my community, me and my wife are doing a day camp. And it's like, it's really, it's challenging. So when we talk about lofty ideas, don't for a second um, bring in a, a, a denigration of yourself because of the circumstances. A person has to always know their own self and what the situation is. But if you're talking about the way you're speaking, then most definitely kids um, could understand what it means, hurt, loss. And that's what I think some of the presentations, like how much time they try to bring out this about sinaschinam, about how people can be hurt, all those different things. And is it is it appropriate to explain to them that you know all the pain that we have, all the all the tsars that they know about, you know, and even the ones they don't know, like that's all the horbon. Like, is that is it appropriate to go into like, you know, all the tsars that like they know of and all that kind of thing, or that's too getting too heavy for kids? Right. So that was so that would be you know like we say when we use the words age appropriate. So even halacha recognizes when it comes to halachas of chinuch, you know, even in the Gemara it says kabar sheba kabar it, it, it says about Harifus, how sharp, how intelligent is the child. That's really where it goes to the intuition of the parent. How intelligent is the child? You could have a 12-year-old that thinks like a six-year-old. You have a six-year-old that thinks like a 12-year-old. And, uh, and it really goes according to that. So we don't want to overdo them. We don't want to traumatize them, right? So if you really want to know, you ask them questions. It, when in doubt, ask questions. And that's nothing to do with tonight's show of about if, you, if you're afraid if something happened to your kid in one way or another. You ask questions. You say, what did you learn about? What do you think the Chorban is? And those types of things. And if you have a good relationship with your kid, they'll say, oh, this and this and that. And you then can elicit and then you'll uh, intrigue them and then they'll ask you questions and then you'll know where they're at. Thank you very much. How they could tell, I'm saying, you know, people who have a few few kids, they can tell on each child. Some kid wants to listen more, the other kid is running away. You could realize on the child of if they're really interested or not. And uh, like you're saying, to overdo it, you know, because you feel it and you want them to feel it like you do. So they have to remember, put yourself in their shoe, you know, just uh, know what you feel and you want them to feel they're not where you are. So it's important to be aware of that. Right. I mean, like they don't wear shoes, but that we do halachas and but they eat, you know, there's different things. Really, it's not veilus lakotten. You know, it's, 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 if you learn the halachas, you actually will see certain things about that. But yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying, we all can remember when we were young, you know, we, those people who uh, read the Tanarena, and then we saw somebody crying, and we, we, you know, I could still remember, you know, in camp or in the Bungalow County, some, Something that you pick up, you never forget because it sticks to you. Nobody's trying to get to, you know, that you should see it, but you pick it up. So, you know, if you sit down in the corner five minutes and cry for a few minutes, they pick it up. I think that's the most powerful one. The questions are coming in stronger and stronger. So here we go. Next question, you're on. Hello. Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, my question is as follows. On Tisha B'Av, I know we have to be sad and everything about the Vaisal Megdash, but also then I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like we have to take out a message and do something about it, right? It's not just like a feeling to have. 
I feel like it's supposed to be some sort of way how to connect with other people and to build a bicep language, right? Through actors and connection and getting closer one day and another. Now, I noticed that the reason I personally like have sometimes issue connecting with other people or making up or something like that is because of shame, right? I would not want to tell someone, a person, let's say, I don't want to look weird and be like, oh, I'm hoping them and say, hey, what's up? How are you? Or I want to, you know, make up with that or just it's fine what happened a year ago. And I noticed that I'm talking to my friends. They said the same thing. They say, personally, I don't care to, you know, talk to this person or go to this person or down this way, just the shame I have, which doesn't necessarily make sense. Now, it's not a logical reason. And as much logic as I put to it, it doesn't make sense to be ashamed. It's a feeling. And I guess like the body has a different language than just logic. So I want to know how to get rid of that shame and actually connect with other people and do the purpose for it, you know? That's an amazing point. And um, shame really, it's, it's, it's really one of the main themes actually of the, the, the infamous story of Kamsa Bakamsa. The story the Gemara ends of Kamsa Bakamsa, what's the lesson? You know, there's always the takeaway, you know? Everyone wants, what's the takeaway? The Gemara's takeaway of Kamsa Bakamsa is God destroyed his base of Migdash because someone was ashamed. That's what the Gemara says. You know, there's so many lessons you could take away from Karamsa Bakamsa. But ultimately, because he was shamed, the base of Migdash was destroyed. The first sin of mankind, shame. First, they were Veloyas by Shoshu, they were not ashamed, and then they had shame. Toxic shame, in my understanding, is the bedrock of all our unhealthiness. Where shame comes from is like everything complex. There's healthy shame and there's unhealthy shame. And at one point, I was going to write a whole book just of writing the healthy and unhealthy because people get so confused. Is it good? Is it bad? Everything has healthy and unhealthy. Now, what most of us experience is the unhealthy shame. The unhealthy shame was something that we translated from a young age that there's something wrong with us. Now, that prevents us from being vulnerable and being open with other people. If there's one thing that we could heal, shame would be one of them that would liberate us, that would free us. Not to be embarrassed from who we are, to be proud of who we are. And then we wouldn't be afraid of being rejected because it's irrelevant. I know there's nothing wrong with me. I usually experience it. You're not interested in me. Machs mit the news. Then like, oh, see, I knew there was something wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with me. We just obviously not, not meant to connect. Now, at the same time, like you're saying, oftentimes we are meant to connect. I'm just ashamed. I feel something seems illogical. Like you said, very, very deep, very wise, that the body has a different memory than our conscious brain. And your body remembers from years and years and years ago that... Be quiet. There's a mistake here. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And if we don't process it appropriately, it gets internalized. And it becomes about our sense of self. And one of the ways of ameliorating toxic shame is when we start embracing all of ourselves. And that takes us full circle to what we open up with tonight. The purpose of the Beis Migdash was to connect. Achdus, to make it one. The whole purpose of the world is Shema Yisrael. Everyone gives a lecture every day, three times a day. Every person is a lecturer. 
Shema Yisrael. We're all talking to the Jewish people. Hashem Elekeinu. Hashem Echad. God is one. No, of course he's one. No, no, no. I need you to know everything is one. Me and you, we're all parts of the same God. He is one. And we need to do the same thing internally also. We need to connect our neshama to our guf. Like Mar Mar Maral says, the tzel malikim is when the soul and the body connect. That's when you have the divine image. If not, you're either an animal or you're a, a separate ascetic soul. But you're not a human being. A human being, says the Gemara, is half three things like malachim and three things like animals because we're a conglomerate of the two of them. We need to be both. Anche kaidish, like the Kaska famously says. We need to be holy people. We're the greatest of them all. That helps with shame. Embrace every part of yourself. Look in the mirror and look at every wart that you have and say, I love you. Uh, we might have to build some positivity before that. If people are walking around with negativity and you're telling them to look at the negative, sit with the negative, how do we build that? How do we build the whole picture? Like the Tzalem Elikim you said. So exactly. So that's really what we said. The first thing for Geula, we say this in Shemayin Esri, in the Brach of the Kav is to gather everything. You know, purity it gives us the ability to start over. The word for hope, everyone talks about hope at this time of the year. We're waiting for Mashiach. It's saying, we said, to some of our community's father just before, and we say, we say, Hashem, I yearn for you. I hope for you. I wait for you. Word for tikva, which is the same word as mikva, is from the word yikavu hamayim. Waters need to gather together. The Kibbutz Goliath is to come together. When you have everything together, the good, the bad, and the ugly, then you're perfect as you need to be. Yeah, it's not just the bad. It's, it's incredible how people can look at their negativity, yet they, they feel uncomfortable looking at their positives. And like famously, Rabbi Yaina says in Sharavayda, is that you need to know your greatness. You need to know your positives. You need to know your qualities. That's critical just as much as your negatives. It's the, it's the same. It's human it's, it's two halves of the whole. But they might have to do that first. Before embracing your negativity that you think is negative, before embracing those dark, the shadow, you really have to um, look at that positive and build up the positivity so that when you embrace the shadow, you see it's just part of it and you love the whole thing as one. Yeah, you know what? It's you know, people are so afraid of their of their shadows or of their their pain. And and what people fail to realize is that actually oftentimes, if not most of the times, their beauty is actually in their weaknesses, what is perceived as weaknesses. And this is a famous from Rib Tzaddik. Rib Tzaddik famously says that in your darkness is really where your light is. Your greatest nisyonis means to say, and in Breslov they talk about manias, there's things that are holding you back. Behind the manias is your light. In the Arafel, in the things that hold you back are your greatest powers. And I, I've given an example in the past that I found when I was younger, a challenge I had when I was learned something would be my questions. I always had questions. 
question, question, question. And everyone's just able to like take the information and swallow it and swallow it and swallow it and they get sheer. But I mean, everything was a question, question, it drove me nuts. That was my weakness. And guess what? Years later, I'm speaking with people and my power, my superpower is my questions. You need to dig into your pain. And you need to dig into what you feel are your flaws and it's your greatest superpower. You have many people that are introverts and they become these incredible writers because they, they embraced what to their classmates and to themselves they perceived as a weakness. Your greatness is there. Don't be so afraid of what you look at as your weaknesses, your negatives. There's no such thing as negatives. It's perception. And that's actually even before Thursday. Hashem means it's a change of perception. Nechama is I see this differently now. That's the purpose of Nechama. The loss, I see it in a different way right now. You could realize that what you see as a weakness because the people around you happen to have been saying, oh, you're the uncool kid or whatever. <laughs> That's actually your greatness. Don't be so afraid of what, what, what people are giving you their vibrations as if it's negative. You are exactly as you need to be. Beautiful. Now here's an interesting question. I know that we need to wait for Mashiach every day. And believe he's coming every day. But I have a hard time believing, or what does believing mean? After a while, it's just very hard to keep on believing. So, you know, my, my, my wife's grandfather used to say, and he went through the Holocaust. So, you know, it comes out differently when they say it. So if he'd be, if he'd be crawling, he should be here, right? you know? Meaning, what's not Dazoila, right? So, you could understand how people feel about their waiting and anticipating for Mashiach, how long it feels like. But it really is a, a, a very difficult question because really in the Ani Mamans, really? You could say that? You could say you wait from every single day that he's going to come? Come on. He didn't come yesterday, day before. What are the odds? So Ramesha has a tshuva, fascinating tshuva, and I remember the way I understood it, so it might be different, but I had a marshal to, de to, to describe his tshuva. Imagine, of course, we're not doing this, but imagine we're playing roulette. And if anyone knows the game of roulette, there's a bunch of different numbers, and you put down money on that, and you pick every number besides one. Of course you're going to win. So they spin the wheel, all lands on that one number that was not yours. You're crazy. You're out of Eastman Kalem. You can't imagine how that happened. Sure, next time you're going to win. Spins it again. Again, not. You're dumbfounded. That says Ramosha is how you're supposed to live in Gullis. And yeah, didn't happen yesterday, didn't happen the day before, but it's, it has to happen. It has to happen. So that's in a, in a legalese way of explaining that. What does that really mean? You know, there's something called the optimist. I once had a compliment years ago from someone I was working with, which is, is a compliment I try to um, fit into. He said, you're the hopeless optimist. What does it mean, an optimist? 
where does a person get the ability of being an optimist? You know, there's a, uh, there was two sons that um, one kid was an optimist and one kid was a pessimist. And um, they wanted to test out the son was an optimist. So the kid was a pessimist. They got him like a, a brand new toy, uh, whatever it was. And he was complaining, oh, it was missing this feature, that feature. And the, and the optimist, they, they, he opened up the box and it was manure. It was, it was excrement. And he was throwing it up. He was so excited. It's like, what are you so happy? He's like, it must be a horse somewhere if there's the manure over here, right? Some people just have a, they have an optimism, how they see the world. Where does that come from? It's very fascinating, actually. It's something called a schema. Schema is like your lenses, how you see the world. You know, I once was once working with a Bachar, and he told me that in his yeshiva, the mashkiach gives the green glass to Shmuz. What's the green glass to Shmuz? The mashkiach gives the green glass. In El, the green, what's the green glass? Shmuz says, imagine if a Bachar is wearing green lenses. He walks into his medrash. The chairs are green. The tables are green. The Rebbe's beard is green. Everything is green. And he's asking, why is it green? Because your lenses are green. We see everything in the world differently than other people because of the lenses that we're wearing. They're what's called our core beliefs about the world. And it's how we're wired to believe about Hashem, about the world, about others, about ourselves. An optimist is uniquely wired. But I want to clarify something. The optimist doesn't hope for the future. He lives the present with the hope of accessing the beauty that there is already now in the world. That's an optimist. You know, there's a famous diuk that says, Kalamasabal al Yerushalayim, the burden Shulchanar from the Paskins, whoever mourns over the base of Mikdash, is one version of Benachamasa, he merits to see its joy. Now, the diuk, the inference people say is, it doesn't say it in the future, he will merit, he will see. It says in the present tense, in the present, he merits and he's seen. And everyone asks, what do you mean merits and see? It's not here now. No, this guy's living right now. That Mashiach is coming. The kid who's throwing up the manure is like, the horse must be here. And every day he's excited. That's the person who's willing to be vulnerable to be misabble on Yerushalayim. That's the person who doesn't live for the future. The reason why it's so hard for people to wait for Mashiach is because they're looking for something in the future. You know, the, I want to say a pshat. There's a pasuk that says, Hashem says, in its time, I will hasten it, then Mashiach will come. And the Gemara says, that, wait a second, that's a contradiction. Be'ita in its time means whenever that's going to be Hashem's set. And Achishana means I'm going to hasten it. I'm going to make it quicker. So the Gemara tells us like this. Zdacha, if the person doesn't merit, it's going to be to me when Hashem decides, let's say, at the end of 6,000 years. If he merits, I'm going to make it quicker. There's a, um, another way of translating the word Zach. Zach doesn't only mean merit. It means also Zach. When a person is refined, when a person is pure. If a person is refined and he's being himself and a person is living with optimism, of the toy vine, it's going to be achishana. It's going to be now. 
But if you're loy you're waiting for bi'ita when it's going to happen. Oh, you're not going to have that joy. You're going to suffer because you're waiting for something that will be. You live now. You live today, not tomorrow. That's not what it means. It means right now, today, you live that joy. He's coming. We are so excited because today's the big day. That's how we live every moment of our lives. And you know what? We taste pieces of Mashiach when we live like that in our everyday life. We need to understand the, the balance, to understand between what you said before about toxic positivity. Exactly. What's the difference between toxic positivity and what we're saying right now? Toxic positivity makes like there's no difficulties, there's no challenges, there's no suffering. You don't have any uncomfortable emotions. Achishana, Zacha, Nas Achishana, the person who is misabul al Yerushalayim, the phrase itself answers the question. The person who feels the pain, the person who feels the disconnect from their spouse are the ones who could can reconnect to them. If you're disconnected from your spouse and you don't feel the pain, you're not having that love. You're not having any optimism for your relationship. You're going nowhere, buddy. You're in a dead-end relationship. If you can feel the pain, you can feel the disconnect, you're in the present. You live with the hope of the present. You have that, that you come back after you made a mistake early in the day and you didn't respond to your spouse's text. Or you said a negative word, you come back for dinner and you apologize and you give them a hug and you give them a kiss. But I want to jump on this question, okay? Yeah. Somebody just emailed a question. Fasting doesn't help me connect with Hashem. If anything, I get hungry and I become not a nice person or a good mom. It makes me feel less connected to the day. How could I feel more connected even though I'm fasting? It's a very good practical question. And the truth is, if we're practical, it is a very pragmatic difficulty. And it will be hard. And most of us will have to deal with that. At the same time, the, 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 the benefit of ideals and objectives of Chazal, and the reason why we don't just throw it out because we don't find it working, is that it actually elevates us a little bit. Chassidus, there's a phrase, a People probably know it from Eight Days Song, a tefachachem. means to say, you're a little bit above ground. That's already a step closer to heaven. And the Rambam's Lashen that he talks about why we fast is that he says it's is to awaken the heart. And I believe what the Rambam is to tell us is exactly what we said before. Is that we're usually indulged in the physical world. And we're disconnected from our soul. So imagine a spouse that's with their gadgets or with their phones and with whatever it is that they're busy with. They're not paying attention to their spouse. And then suddenly they lose power. And they have no other distractions. Now suddenly they hear their spouse. That's the objective of fast. Is that the body becomes weaker. The body does not become the focus of everything. And, you know, you can think of it like a kid that's being sent to their room because they weren't behaving at the dinner table. 
Guess what? The kid's not coming back. Why not? Because he has his games. He has his phone. You take those stuff away. And he's in the room and he feels suddenly the loss of being at the dinner table. Now he's begging you to come back. And that's the same thing for our souls. Our souls are drowned out with our physical lives, with our swimming, with our clothing, with our schmoozing, with all these different things. And that's why one's not supposed to work on Teshub. Yes, after Chatzayis, to certain Ateirim, but you're supposed to be engaged in the Avelis because you're supposed to feel. And fasting helps us feel. Yes, it makes us more irritated too. That's also part of feeling. That's the objective, says the Rambam. Now, yeah, there's a balance. But if a person wants to understand the objective of what the fasting is supposed to do for them, it helps them connect more with their soul. So how does that answer the question? Use it as an opportunity to feel your feelings and realize what it is that's happening in your life. That itself, by the way, might help you be a little bit more patient with your kids. I've said this many times that um, there was someone that was, uh, before they used to light the Hanukkah Menorah, he used to say, Gans, tell him, go to the mikvah. He would, he would twist the wicks himself and he'd pour the oil and say, Lishem Yichud, and all the different feelings and makoshas and chinas. And, and then he would look at the lights and he would say the mizmoyrim and then he would say the halalukas and, and he would learn tzvayr and tikkun And then he gets married. And then he has two kids. And then he can't even light the candles because his wife's not ready. And he's about to put it together when the kid knocks over the menorah. And then the wife's middle changes the baby's diaper and he's like, I can't make a bracha because the diaper is... It's a, it's, a, it's a mess. He goes to the rabbi and says, what is this? What does Hashem want from me? I can't even light the menorah like a mensch. What am I supposed to do? Let alone with all the way I used to do it. Says his rabbi, he says, and who says God doesn't want that exactly what you're supposed to work on? He wants you to be patient with your wife and your kids. And that's the same thing on Tisha B'Av. I want us to ponder that if you took those moments, whatever's happening, and you just felt the feelings of whatever struggle you're having, it might be more valuable than any speech you might hear on Tisha B'Av. Build the base of Mikdash inside of yourself. You will change the world. You'll have a relationship with God because he's inside of you. And that's your chelik al-kamamal called your neshama. You're disconnected from your neshama. That's why you don't feel all these things. Connect with your soul. Be present in the moment. Don't get distracted by anything else. Allow the present moment to unfold. You don't need to control reality. You need to show up. So that's, that's what you were saying before. Sometimes people want to know, what does Hashem want from me? And the answer is, just look where you are. See what's going on. Like, like you're saying, be in the present moment. And what's my next step? That's what Hashem wants from you. So that's what you're saying, to be able to be in the present moment, to experience whatever comes up. Don't try to run away from it. And do what you need to do. Now, it's it's hard for people, for beginners, for sure. I, I wouldn't recommend starting on Tisha B'Av. 
-hmm. You know, they can start when they're able to drink and eat to stop and be in the present moment. Because when you're starting a tissue and the kids are around, obviously it's going to be much harder. That's what the three weeks are for. The three weeks starts prepping us. But it's like the Nila Josh. The Rav is like going, speaking, getting up from the Nila. What's he going to do? It's like, you know, bottom of the ninth. We were supposed to be preparing for this from the beginning of the season. You know, there's, there's, there is the three weeks. And on Shiva Asabatamas, one of the five tragedies that happened was that Hemet Selim Behechel, they put an idol, Avoidazar, in the Hechel, in the sanctuary of the base of Migdash. What does that mean? If I'm telling you, Bavavi Mishkanev, that the macro base of Mikdash is inside your heart. And the purpose is to connect Shemayim and Oretz, connect your soul and your body. And that's where your heart is. And that's what the emotions is. What does it mean to put a Salem in the Hechel? This is a fascinating piece from Revolvi. We say this in the Shir Shalim on Thursdays. It says, There shouldn't be inside of you a foreign God. Says the Gemara. What's the Elzar Bekufish Alabim? person has a foreign God inside of them? Says the Gemara, Zayyitzahara. The Yitzhahara is the foreign God. We have a Tselem. We have an Avedizar that's inside us. Who is that? The Yitzhahara. Says Ravalbi, why is the Yitzhahara called El Zar, the foreign God? Says Ravalbi, something that's mind blowing. He says there's a Koyach of Zaris, the Gufish Alam. There's a power of alienation inside the person that alienates ourselves from ourselves. And that's what happened in Shabbos and Thomas. That disconnect. The working our way up to Tisha B'Av is we work on Shiva Asabatamas on understanding how disconnected we are. And the three weeks lead us up to the nine days to Tisha B'Av to understand how we need to mend this. We need to bring unity first inside of ourselves and then with God and then with other people. That's the trinity of Taira Vodigimas Chasad. Okay, here's an interesting question. Um, just a second. All of these ideas are very concerning to me. I'm not sure why. It brings up Mashiach, Elam Haba, Besamigdash. What and why do I feel uncomfortable listening to ideas about it, talking about it? They all seem to be very abstract to me. There's a problem with, meaning, what did he say that? Uh... Sometimes it's a fear of unknown. These are these are not tangible things that you can actually see and hold. It's ideas that we believe in. Right. So I, I, I think that these things, like we said, these are things that actually give people hope. Some people, Mashiach, Melam Habla, Migdash. And then for other people, it can make us uncomfortable. And I think the reason why that could be is because, and of course, for every person, there could be a different reason. Everyone's different, so it could be coming from different places. But you always want to differentiate um, if your expectations are healthy or unhealthy. And what are your thoughts about what Mashiach is, what Olam Hab is, what the base of Megdash is? When you're listening to them and making you uncomfortable, what is it that you think it's going to do? What are you afraid of? That's a tough question. I think it depends what it was that is making him uncomfortable about it. 
And I think, I think you just want to become aware of what your expectations or what your thoughts are about it. And then you can then become aware of what is it making you uncomfortable. What's of the fear of unknown? Fear of the unknown. So that's interesting because the unknown could produce opposite emotions. There's excitement. It's like, wow, who knows what's going to happen? Right? Who is that guest that they didn't say who it's going to be? Or it could be fear. So that really goes back to the schema, the, the way you view the world. Why are you so afraid? Do you think that Hashem just wants to punish? Or do you think that God wants to do good? It's a very open-ended conversation. But that's just the answering why the fear of the unknown would be versus an excitement. And yeah, because it's something that's bringing up inside of us. It's bringing up something about me. I'm not good enough and I'm not going to be accepted. And I did so many, so much bad. And that's why all these things of hope are actually bringing up. It's like a person is about to get uh, engaged and they say, wow, she's so amazing. He's, a, and I know I have a deep, dark secret. And, and the more they tell me how great he or she is, the more uncomfortable I get. Because oh my gosh, oh my gosh, she's actually that great. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna be able to like live up to our expectations. So that's why they're bringing up that fear. Okay, so something that we have to become aware of, and then reach out for uh, to try to figure out how to how to figure that out. For example, like you mentioned, the image of God. If somebody has the wrong image and he's out to get me, then we don't want to talk about this. You know, you want to be busy. Because the second I stop and think about all of these, all of these nice ideas, it doesn't seem so nice to me. So the question is, how does someone change that idea? How do you, you can discuss where it comes from, and how do we change it? Right. So the truth is, is that that's why I always like to think of it as, as you know, the God inside of you and the God outside of you. You know, there's something called the Arpanimi and there's the Armakas. There's the inner light and there's the um, the light that um, of our circumference. And the first God that we connect to is the inner God. You're neshama. There's a chelik alikamamal. It's a piece of God. And more often than not, the reason why we're uncomfortable with God is because we're uncomfortable with the peace of God inside of ourselves. We have not accepted that part of ourselves disconnected when you could connect with yourself and you could connect with god then you won't feel that way with him but people are projecting outwards instead of focusing inward just like interpersonal relations most of the time happens the same thing also the reason why we're having these feelings is because we're thinking of the person that we're dealing with and we're finding them difficult when it's because of how we are interpreting it and how we're experiencing it but the moment we change our interpretation our experience of it then our interpretation of them changes. Hashem is no different in that way. How do, I, how do I know if it's right or wrong? So if you're fully connected with yourself, you'll know what your experience of that other entity is about you or about them. But you first have to be connected with yourself. You don't know because you don't know, you don't trust yourself. You can't trust in Hashem until you trust yourself, essentially. Let's, let's let's jump into one last question 
and I'm going to go into the closing. With, I mean, we'll go closing afterwards, but it's a little bit broad, okay? Somebody's texting me that another question came in, so let's mix them together. In what ways can you draw parallels between the, the loss of the base Amigdash 1 and 2 and the things that challenge that we deal with in today's generation? That's the first question. So what can we do from the, the losses of the base Amigdash? What does it connect to us? What's the parallel in today's generation? Somebody else keeps on asking, um, do you have enough signs that we know that Mashiach is closer than further, that we know that he's intimately here? That's the question. If we have, we said that any rias and the Torah and the Medrash things that are happening. It's a broad question. Just testing your. No, what do you mean? That's your. That's your next show. Texting your next show. That's the Gemara. That's, that's, the that's, 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 I know. At home. <laughs> that's the okay, so what, 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 what can we connect from the from the Chumash and Medrash to and what we're dealing with today? Is there any connection in today's generation A and B? Where we're holding with Mashiach? Where we were holding? We were asking like Yaakov Avinu. Was the Kates? Give us the Kates. <laughs> People want to know if it's really happening today, tomorrow. I have to know because I'm making tickets, traveling. I want to make my vacation. Right. So, so, so the great ones—they always had a bag packed. And Nosnabach, uh, he had he had his bag. The Mashkirch of Lakewood, he always had his bags packed. And I think it's like you live with a Mashiach mentality. Um. Are the people who look at, as, as someone earlier had said tonight, as old brothers? Um, I mentioned in my shul this past Shabbos, it was the Arizal's yard site today, on Sunday, Hey Av. The Arizal, he passed away with his students. I'm not going to, I won't say the whole story, but basically because there was a Magaifa, there was a play going on, an epidemic, and Two wives got in a fight, and the husbands got involved. The Kabbalah Shabbos, after they came back and they, they would go into the fields, and the students saw Darizal's face crestfall on Shabbos. Darizal was always with Simcha. They were afraid of what was going on, but Rechaim Vital, his great disciple, asked him what's going on. He says that by Kabbalah Shabbos, I saw the Malacham of us. And he quoted a Pasik. Shmuel Beis that said, "Gam atem gamalkechem tisafu." Also, you and your king will perish. They said, "No, but whatever." And he says, "This the verdict was sealed when there was machlekes amongst us." Because Arizal was always keen on this idea that the churban happened because we were disconnected from each other, and we have to see ourselves as limbs of an entire organism. We're not separate. We're not independent. The idea of the Churban based on Migdash, what's pertinent for our days is that, and, and if there's one message that I speak about in my shul, is the idea about community. And I think the reason why that's so important is because it's a microcosm of the Jewish people and really of the world, because that's what God wants. He wants it all to be one, to recognize that it's his house. The Bisa Migdash was the center of that plantation. And when we don't have that, it's every man to himself. That's what Gullus is. And that's the persecutions, and that's the pogroms, and that's anti-Semitism. Because we're the ones that are still saying that we want Tati back. That's the relevance for our times. Like someone said earlier, yeah, go over to another person and become connected to another person. 
The objective is that when we all become connected, but it's not, you can't do it on your own. Hashem is the one who decides. He's Mizabik Zivugim. He connects them all. So what are we supposed to do? Show up in your life because he sets you up with different people. That's the relevance of the base of Mingdish. This was a home. That's where they cooked. That's where they cleaned. That's all they did over there. They're sweeping. They're, they're cleaning. They're cooking. They're, what do you think the Bikhanim did all day? It's one big house. People came. They ate. They sang. <laughs> it's a labor dick. It's, it's a, one big comes. It's over there. Right? That's home. In my home, one of the things I always liked doing was we had music and we were dancing. Because home is a place you're excited to come to. And the shoulders were gullum, we came home. And Tati was waiting over there and we would come and kindle it. We're going to visit Zaidi. That's the base of Megdash. We're all coming home. That's what we want. Okay, Shlemy, you ready to go to closing? We're ready? Okay, let's wrap it up. Okay, first of all, thank you Shlemy Schwartzberg for coming on so uh, last minute, but as I say, the, the non-prepping is always the way to go. Really appreciate that, and tremendous chizik, and a better way to go into Tisha and beautiful, and again, tonight's share is 151, and tonight's share is for the Milstein family, the yard side of uh, their mother, Shane uh, Bas Yosef, should be a big... All the hundreds of people are here tonight and all the thousands and thousands of people that listen to the share. Again, if anybody wants to join the WhatsApp and get the flyers every week, please WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066 and save my number. I'll send you the flyer mention every Sunday. If you want to sign up for the weekly emails within the flyers, go to menachemburnfo.com. Again, if anybody's here the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30, this is Zoom ID. We have different bottom, different topics. Please help spread the word. Next week, Mitchum, July 30th, there'll be an amazing share with world-famous Rizak, Big Ba Machanach, and Matshem Deshir will be titled Chutzpin Today's Generation and learning how to deal with it. And it should be a powerful, meaningful program. Please let people know about it. Everything Matshem will be recorded will be on menachemberfel.com and on YouTube and Spotify and Apple Play and Kalaloshin and our phone number. And anybody wants to listen to the phone, Matshem will be up tomorrow. It's shared number 151 when you put in the number, and the number is 848 Grow, 848 Grow. And uh, if anybody wants to be in touch with Shlomo Schwartzberg, you can go uh, Davin and put in Grand River. You can listen to his Daf Shira on Old Daf and Daf Achayim and I don't know how many other things, but he probably has a huge list. And um, again, I guess call our advertising sponsor that promote us, Lakewood Scoop, Ellie and Ariel from Five Town Central, Chayim from JCN. And we go to closing. First, I'm going to say Gershkech again for coming on. And Shvanis um, Chizik and Shlomi, we weren't expecting to go so deep. We really, uh, we really went deep tonight. Very, very deep. Very impressed. And Hashem, hopefully people will get the right physic when we go into Tisha B'Av. Hopefully it'll be, uh, Taka Mashiach will be here by then. And Arnoyach and me can have a good flesh of steak. We're looking forward to that. And uh, Coach Menachem, will go to you first. And Shlomo, two hours of this conversation. I want to close in, encompass everything. Okay, Coach Menachem. Like always, when we talk, Taka goes deep, and uh, you shouldn't think it's only here. Shlemi takes us deep. I would say every answer we have tonight is a show to talk about, Mitzvah Shem. Um, but uh, yeah, if for beginners, I would say 
the idea, the concepts of sitting with yourself, meeting yourself is not easy and understanding what it is. You know, you should listen to Shiurim and be inspired, but I would say take two minutes, start with two minutes, something small and put away your phone and put away technology and uh, put everything on the side and just sit there, see what comes up. That's the excitement. That's the ideas that Shlem is talking about whether it's positive, negative, whatever comes up, you sit with it and you experience and you're in it. And then slowly, you don't have to start on Tisha B'Av. You can start today. Uh, Tisha B'Av might be a little bit hard. But the truth is that for those who wait for Tisha B'Av, it's much harder. I think the idea of Tisha B'Av, we really have every day. Not for a full day, but we have it in our davening. Whether we daven for... for, for or uh, whatever it is, we, we stop for a moment to think if we do. Or for those who do taking chatzois for a few minutes every day. So we have moments of Tishabov, like Shlim, like you said. We live with all our parts, the positives, the negatives. We're not scared of it. We, we face it and we, we, we live with it. And, we, and our question is, what does Hashem want from us in that moment? So if we wait for Tisha B'Av, it might be a little bit hard. What we have to do is understand every day for a few minutes to see that we don't belong here. We are not home. We are in Gaulus for every day a few minutes. So when it comes to Tisha B'Av, it could be a little bit easier. So Mitzvah Shem, the bracha is that we should be zoichet to Gula, a Gula Klolis, and a Gula Protis. That means a Chakla, we could have a Gula right here in Gaulus, every person could come out and start living Gula, living in a place of Gula. And Mr. Shem, Hashem should help um, the negativities. We shouldn't have negative, these negative things and the uh, hardships that we all have in the world and every person in the families. And Mr. Shem, the Gula Shlema, the Meira of Yemenu, Shkoyach. Amen. Okay, so the truth is, we spoke a lot. Well, what's going to happen on Tisha B'Av? We're going to sit in the corner and we're going to chap a shmiz. <laughs> and we're going to kibitz. And we're going to say that this is taking too long. We have to stretch our legs. And that's just for the morning. The afternoon, we're going to check out social media a little bit. We're going to start preparing a little bit for the breaking our fast. That's some people, obviously. Everyone, everyone has different challenges on Tishmah. Someone texted me, yes. People take Tylenol caffeine suppositories to take during the fast to feel better during the fast. Every person has the things they need to do. Now, I think if people are not going to change after hearing this, then we fail to impress upon them the significance and the importance of feeling loss. I think people are not resonating with I think if someone's going to still come in on Tisha B'Av and try to just get through the day, then we didn't really explain well enough the objective of the Hamasabal. Let me try to explain in my closing words the objective of feeling the sadness. As I said before, I lost my father over five years ago. 
We sat as Avema, me and my two brothers, two sisters. What did we do? We only spoke about our father. He who we had once and we have no more. What was the point? Why would we talk about things that would make us sad? Crying over spilled milk that is not here anymore? Now, obviously, there's the concept of grieving, which is a very important concept. Many Holocaust survivors never spoke about the horrors that they experienced. And because of that, there were certain challenges in the post-Holocaust generations. And processing is important, but I believe it's much more than that. When we recall what we had, what we lost, and there's many different parts to this, but this is the one part. It's reinforcing the memories that we had. Now, what for? To be sad? Already sad enough. My life is already sad enough. I can't, I'm kicking on the floor, kicking and screaming. I can't take more pain. What is sadness? Sadness is a sense of loss. And actually, on Tisha B'Av, just like Avail, you're not supposed to have a child on your life. Unless you're a mother, obviously, taking care of the baby. Because it's a distraction. We're distracting from what? What do you need to be focused on? So I've said many times that the first day is really, is the second day because we sat a moment before Shkia. The first day of sitting Shiva, we get a phone call from Eretz Yisrael, my father's best friend. And I get the phone first. And he says, Shleimullah, don't kill your father a second time. I'm like, I never did this before, but this doesn't sound like Shiva to me. Aren't they supposed to be Menachemi? What does he mean by this? And he says, your father was an incredible person. Keep his legacy alive. And, he, and we were discussing about certain things that my father had a power, and I thought about certain things. And I took upon myself then to, to, to do things that my father had brought into the world. The global purpose of Avelis is not just to mourn the past. It's to carry it into the present. We once had a base on Megdosh. And the world felt threatened. And they destroyed it because we were not together. Like someone said before, yes, if we can be a band of brothers, we can build our house again. The objective of the morning is to remember what we once had. And the same thing is in your own base on Megdosh. Do you remember when you were, I, I, you know, Oshie? Maybe we should take out pictures from when we were three and four and five and bring that into Tisha B'Av in the morning when we come for Kinnis. And look at the pictures, what you looked like when you were young and remember what you were before we all broke. Maybe then we'll know what it means. Kol Masab al Yushalayim. Zeich Baraya Bracha to everyone is. Live your life, feel your emotions. You have to build your own personal base of Magnus first. That's the only way you'll ever come to mourn over the communal of the global base of Magnus. If you can feel your own, you can connect your own mind to your own body. Then we'll be Zaychev. We can be misable on that loss, on that Eilzar, on that dis inner disconnect. Be able to sit there with the 
global loss of the world's suffering, the world's pain, realizing that we're bringing our brick. And if we bring our brick, you'll see other people bring their brick too, and we'll build the base on Migdash Hashlishim heavy. Amen. Next Sunday, July 30th, Rev. Dov Brizak. And everybody should have a meaningful fast. Good night, everybody. I'll see you all next week. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for hosting. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye.